Amen. If you have your Bible with you, turn to Hebrews chapter 9. We're going to be in chapter 9 and chapter 10 today <clears throat> as we uh, look through God's Word together. A few things that I want to talk to you about. Today we're talking about um, how you and I are called to abandon our checklists for an adventure. Now this is not to be an offense to those of you who love checklists, okay? I married a woman who her love language is checklist, so I don't have a problem with it at all. It saves us a lot of trouble uh, going on many trips. But, but have you ever uh, confused a checklist for a trip? Um, you know, a checklist, all the things, if you were to think, I, I, I want to head on this dream getaway. Uh, and, and then you were to say, here are all the things that I need to do in order to get ready for this dream getaway. And every year, you pull out that checklist in January, and you spend all your year checking off the boxes. Clean clothes, check. Watch the weather, check. Got my suitcases, check. Will everything fit in the car, check. Don't leave children at home, it'll turn into a movie, check. Whatever it is. And then December 31st hits, and you're like, man, that checklist is full. And then January 1 starts up, and you said, okay, I'm going to pull my list out. Let me check it off again. Eventually, what would you start to think of that checklist that, that you, you filled out faithfully every year for that dream trip? That first year, you may have been excited. Like, okay, one day someone's going to drop this dream vacation in my lap, and I'm going to check it off. I'm going to be ready. And then year two, okay, well, it didn't happen last year. So this year, I'm, I'm doing it right. I'm going to check it off. What would year 57 feel like? Death. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be horrible to every year just be living for a checklist? It may be, maybe you're smart enough. Year four, you would say, you know what? I'm, I'm, I've been checking off this list, and obviously my dream, I'm not going to live my dream. So I'm going to settle, you know, your dream checklist may have been, you know, skiing the Swiss, Swiss Alps uh, as it goes, skiing through the snow. And you said, you know what, there's an indoor ski hill at Sport and Sun and Ski down the road. Let's just go there. It, it, that'd be pretty sad, wouldn't it? But if you've never been skiing, maybe you wouldn't know the difference and maybe you'd be satisfied. A few years ago, we told you this right after it happened. If you were part of our church then, um, Lawyer John and I got to go to Kenya. And next to the airport in Nairobi, there's a safari. And so we handed our checklist to our, our driver. We want to go to safari. We want to see all the animals. We want to see them in the wild. It's going to be amazing. After an hour and a half of driving away from the safari, Lawyer says, are you sure we're going to the safari? Oh, yeah, all the animals are there. We checked our list. And the lawyer was brilliant. He said, are the animals in cages or roaming around? And he said, oh, they're in cages. You'll be able to see them all. He said, that's a zoo. We have zoos in America. We don't, we don't have safaris in America like this. Turn around. We went to the airport. The only thing we saw of the safari was a few trees as we passed them by. We had our checklist, and it still didn't satisfy and, and yet, here's what, what I've learned, is somewhere along the way, whether you claim Christ or not, and many of us 
in Christ have made Christianity not an adventure, but we've made it this religion of checking boxes, hoping that one day we will be able to hand our ticket to the gatekeeper and start this adventure that the Bible talks to us about. And if you grew up in church like I did, you've been holding that ticket for a long time, waiting for that adventure. And maybe, maybe church or Christianity or, or, or the Lord or religion, maybe it's lost its luster in that because you held on to that checklist forever and you never lived in that adventure. Or, or maybe you're still holding on to those things that I need to do to get ready so that one day when I die, I can start this adventure. Let, let, me, let me tell you the secret. The, the adventure begins the moment you step out the door on your way to the destination. If, if you're hoping to Star Trek teleport from point A to your destination, and you think that that's the adventure, then, then you've missed the fullness of Christ. He says that he's come to bring life to the full now. The adventure that he brought, he brought to us. This is what we're talking about today. That God is calling you and I to an adventure that maybe you've been missing because you thought the adventure started with your checklist. And you wouldn't be way off base from what we'd learn in our life. Look in your Bible at Hebrews chapter 9 verse 1. We'll go down through verse 10 because the Lord addresses this very concern. Listen to this. It says, now, even the first covenant had regulations for worship, an earthly place of holiness. For a tent was prepared the first in the first section, in which there was a lampstand, a table, the bread of the presence. It's called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a second section, the most holy place, having uh, the golden altar of incense, the ark of the covenant on all sides, with, with gold, in which was a golden urn holding the manna and Aaron's staff that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. Above it, there were cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things, we can't speak in detail. Verse 6, these preparations having been made, these priests go regularly, the first section performing the ritual duties, but into the second only the high priest goes, and he once a year without taking, not without taking blood, for he offers for himself and the unintentional sins of the people. By this, the Lord, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy place is not yet opened as long as the first section is still standing, which is symbolic of the present age. Now check verse 9. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are altered, offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but only deal with food and drink and various washings and regulations of the body imposed into the time of the Reformation. Chapter 10, verse 1, kind of summarizes it in the last half of chapter 10. In, in verse 1 it says, For since the law has been but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of realities, check this, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered year after year make perfect those who draw near. Church, let me tell you what this picture is. This is a picture of the Lord unpacking the perfect checklist. Right, if you look back to the Old Testament, you see the laws and you see the commandment and, and those things that God put in there. From the things of you shall not covet, you, you shall uh, honor the Lord above. These things of, hey, listen, keep yourself pure. We're going to have these feasts and festivals that you have to follow. All of these laws 
they were the perfect checklist they were better than any vacation checklist you and i could ever make they were the god-given checklist and in this checklist god says even the perfect checklist done year after year after year was not sufficient to perfect the conscience of the worshiper or in chapter 10 verse 1 it's it's never able to make one perfect those who draw near here's what i want you to know this is the best news ever this is all the weight falls off of our, our shoulders assurance is not found in a checklist eternal assurance is not found in the checklist if we were to look at at, at faith or religions around the world who are here's the things i might do so that the lord might accept me what a horrible way to live what a horrible thing listen i don't know about your life but i know what goes on in this one and i know that even on the scale of good and bad that there is enough bad there's enough evil there's enough wrong there's enough sin that i've done in my lifetime that would rightly condemn me to god say i'm perfect you're not you don't get to come in it be it would be right and and so for me to think that i am just going on this eternal checklist hunt so that one day i can present my book of checklists of good things to the lord and he might say well that's not bad come on in what a horrible life that's the worst adventure ever the the reality is god says listen for you and i there is no checklist. There's no list of deeds you can do. There's no, there's no list of things you have to conquer in your mind that will be sufficient to perfect your conscience and allow you to draw near to God. The word perfect in Greek, it, it means to accomplish. It means to fulfill. In other words, check this out. There is no list, there's no grouping of deeds that you and I can do that will help you accomplish the goal of drawing near to God and having a conscience that is acceptable before Him. You know, that may be life-changing, shocking news, but oh, how sweet it is. And, and our family, we're going through this... Um, <clears throat> college application Has anyone ever been through the college application process it's different today when i went to college a we didn't have internet so you just sent something in and you hoped it worked now you you send this stuff in and then the college application and the scholarship stuff happens right well for college scholarships you do all of this work we're, we're filling out scholarships for everybody this is the pastor uh college savings plan it, it's pray for scholarships it's mercy right so so as we're filling all this out we're doing all this work and by we i mean mostly ashley and christy but but i'm part of the family and and so we're doing all of this work and do you know what we're doing when we're hitting submitting we don't know we're hoping that all this hard work did something that years of whatever did something Someone's going to look at it, and they're going to determine, eh, maybe so, maybe not. Guess what I've learned about scholarships? This is going to blow you away. Only a few people get the really good, did you know this? 
It's not like, ah, A for effort, Pastor David, full ride. It doesn't work that way. Thousands of kids apply, and like A, get this scholarship. There's nothing sure about this checklist. Church, here's the the thing. That's true in in our lives, too. There's nothing you can do, enough preparation that will work, because you might do all this preparation and find out that your checklist led you in the wrong place. I was reading 1 Samuel, or excuse me, 1 and 2 Samuel, chapter 1 and 2 Samuel. This amazing thing happens. At the end of 1 Samuel, King Saul and Jonathan and uh, his family get struck down. The the Philistines come in, and and they die in battle. And and Saul knows it's coming, and he falls on his own spear. Chapter 2, we we find out that an Amalekite, a young man, comes in, and Saul is on his spear. And and he's not dying yet, and he's afraid he won't die before the Philistines come and cause him to die a worse death. So this Amalekite comes in, and Saul says, Hey, I don't want to die. Could you kill me? I want to die quicker. Can you kill me? And the Amalekite says, Sure. He kills him, takes his crown, takes a bracelet. And in chapter 1 of 2 Samuel, he comes to King David, or David, who's not king yet. Saul's been chasing David. David's had multiple chances to kill Saul, but he won't because he's the Lord's anointed, because he honors the Lord more than his own path. And so the Amalekite comes to King David, and he says, hey, Saul is dead. Here's his crown and his bracelet. He says, well, how do you know Saul's dead? And he tells him the story. He says, listen, I was walking by. Saul was dying. He said, would you kill me? I'm like, sure. And I wanted to bring you the crown because you're the rightful king. And David said, oh, you did all of this stuff. How thoughtful. If I wouldn't touch the Lord's anointed because of my respect for the Lord, how did you so easily kill the Lord's anointed and he orders his execution you see church here's the truth of our checklists if our faith rests on a checklist and our checklists are unable to accomplish getting our thoughts or our lives to draw near to God what we know is if that's where we put our faith our time and energy in that scripture says it's not enough it's leading you in the wrong direction. The, the effort you put in, the grand schemes of your mind, do this. Here's why. Because our deeds don't define our heart. Do you know that? Our, our deeds don't define our heart. They affirm it. They make evident what's already there. If you are filling out your checklist on the front side of your vacation versus the back side, is it different? The front side of your vacation, if it's like mine, this is what it looks like. Okay, we got to wash the clothes the night before. Everybody's got to pack. We're, we're not flying southwest, so we have to pay extra for bags. So we bought the biggest bag we can. Everybody's allowed to pack eight pieces of clothing. We've got three Tide Pods in there. We're putting it together. We bought the plane tickets. We've got the hotel room secured. We're going through all this tediousness, checking it off. Once you get to your vacation, what's your vacation? Oh, we have to eat at this place. Oh, man, we're going to take five hours and just relax on the beach. Oh, man, a- after that, we're, we're scheduling massages. The checklist on the backside is way better than the front side. Amen? If, if it's not, we'll talk about how to vacation later on. But it should be. You see, because once we've begun our journey, the checklists are not burdens of proof. They affirm the reality that we're on the journey. 
You see, when you and I are living in Christ, we're not living to prove to him who we are. We're living in the proof of who he is. And that's where assurance is found. Look in your, your Bible a little bit further. And this is the secret, verse 11 through verse 14, chapter 9. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not with made with hands that is of creation, he entered once and for all into the holy places, not by means of blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, how much more will he purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Church, Jesus Christ is the adventure that every man has been trying to live, even if he didn't know it. That Jesus Christ, he's not the gatekeeper, he's the adventure. He, he battles, he goes with us, he goes before us. The Bible says in, in verse 11, he appeared over the high priest of the good things that have come. This is very different than a way a lot of us have been living. A lot of us are living for the good things that are to come. Here's the problem. Chapter 10, verse 1, go back there with me again. It says, for since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come. Listen, the, the Bible says that Jesus is different than a checklist than the law because he is the high priest, the one going and coming with of the good things that have come. This means in Christ, we live with an eye on eternity, knowing that heaven is our destination, but we aren't living for one day to experience his goodness. Jesus Christ is the high priest over the good things that have come right here and right now. And, and this is the, the difference. We were talking about Thankful Sunday. And the reality is, there are many people in your life, and you probably have rings in your life like I do. There are rings of people that you are thankful for. There are close friends. There are family members that, that you need to be telling more often how grateful you are for them. And then there are people on that outer ring that you come into contact very, every now and then. I was going down the street running this, this week, and I, I, again, I, I will talk about it. the men who, who work and and take care of our street and our, our garbage. They are the most incredible group. They are the kindest men ever. This week I put an eight-pack of Gatorade, stuck a thank you card on there, because I don't know if anyone else tells them, but I'm thankful that they care enough to take care of, of us. They've backed up the truck. They've, I mean, they're incredible guys. And I'm thinking, you know what? If we are living the adventure of Christ, then we are seeing the joys of Christ everywhere. What does that mean? That means someone living in Christ is going to see the things of God at work all around him and be generous with his words and his deeds. Right? We've, we, we've talked about this. Stingy and Christian, they don't belong in the same sentence. And it's because when we live in a stingy way, we're thinking of our preparation, not his journey. This has changed in me. Because when I first came to know Christ, I had someone give me the recommendation. Or not, once I first surrendered to, to ministry, someone said, you need to put reverend on your checks. I said, why is that? Because you might get a deal every now and then. 
Yeah, because that, that screams Jesus. I want to sucker you for the Lord. Amen, right? Like now on the back end, if you, if you have pastor somewhere in front of you, if you're handing someone a track about Jesus, you should be tipping 20 to 25%, even if they do a bad job. No one amen to that. I see how you are. Like, the reality is, when we are living the adventure of Christ, His generosity, His grace is abounding everywhere around us. And we can give generously because we're certain. We're sure of His provision. We're sure of His leading. We can walk confidently. Why? Because we are living in the presence of the high priest of the good things that have come. Like, they're here. What a way that changes the world. What a burden that takes off my shoulders when I, who can't through my list perfect, accomplish my goals of drawing near to God, can say in Christ Jesus, the one who gave his life for me, who died for me and rose again and leads me today, that now he is able to perfect, to purify my conscience from chasing the dead works so I can serve the living God. It doesn't say... That, that Jesus Christ purifies your mind from dead works so that one day you might have a shot at eternity. It says that Jesus Christ, the great high priest, the law was a guardian showing you and I that you're imperfect, that you're unable, that only by God's grace are you still breathing right now. But Jesus Christ purifies. Jesus Christ says you don't have to chase the dead works you don't have to sweat this stuff anymore you have to be anxious we, we were laughing about it today and don't get me wrong i'm going to be diligent on this side of the cross i mean we're talking about scholarships and things I'm, I'm all in but i was talking with ashley this morning about you know we've got this in there's a process she said dad don't stress me out i'm like it's not your money it's me who should be stressed out but guess what? I'm not. Because I know that if the Lord's leading, we'll go there. And if he changes the direction of our heart, I want to go where he... I don't want to chase my dead works. I don't want to chase my dreams. I've grabbed a dream before. Do you know what happens when I grab a dream? If it's all about me, it withers over time. It's not fulfilling over time. But if I am in the journey of Christ, if I am walking with a life that has been purified from these dead works, so that I can serve and walk alongside an almighty God on the other side of the vacation plan, so to speak, then in everything and everyone, we can see the adventure of Christ. I told someone the other day, I'm a horrible person to interview people because I see who people can be, and so I'm easily tricked. I have to actually bring other people with me. Now listen, that's not something I have or do. I just think the Lord has called this wretched person on this incredible adventure, and he's calling everyone else on it too. Jump in. Join it. Let go of dead works. How do you let go of dead works? You step into Jesus Christ. 
And here's why this works. This is why the adventure that is Christ is different than everything else. Look with me in, in chapter 9, verse 15. This is huge. It says this, Therefore, he is the mediator of the new covenant. Now, now, now check out what this word mediator means. It means umpire. Anybody watch the World Series? Anybody praying for, like, the digital box to come back? I mean, when we're pitching. You know, just please. What, what kind of power does the umpire have? Too much. I mean, some of those balls were way outside the strike zone. The umpire has the power over the whole game. That ball can be 50 feet outside the strike zone. If he says strike, guess what? It's a strike. If, if it's right down the middle and he says it's a ball, guess what? It's a ball. Now you and I could be watching TV and some of you are saying things that prove you're not perfect. But check this out. The umpire is the mediator of the game and that means his call works. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the umpire. Is the umpire over life. That, that Jesus Christ is the one who calls the shots. Now check that out. Would you rather follow the umpire or the pitching coach? The pitching coach might teach you all the things to try to do. He might try to prepare you. But if the umpire calls it different than everything you've been working on, all of your training, it's all for nothing. And, and you could go and you could present him with this list and say, here's the rules. Here's how it works. Are you blind? No one said that in the World Series, but you follow me. And the umpire says, you're out of here. I'm not even listen. I'm not even going to address you. You're out of here. The umpire is the mediator. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the mediator of the new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. You see, not only will a list not bring you assurance, but but a checklist doesn't even start your adventure you see your adventure and my adventure in life begins with an invitation not a presentation of your credentials praise the lord our, our adventure in christ begins with his invitation to step into the game not our presentation of why we should be able to step into the game and if we were to look into chapter 10, verse 10 through 12, it says this. And by that we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ Jesus once and for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can't take away, which never can take away the sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins he sat down at the right hand of God you see what priests every year after year would come and present to God it never unpacked it never even the holiest of the holy priests 
what they offer for your sin are not enough. You can confess to a pastor forever. You can confess to a priest forever. You can do 576 different good deeds for every bad thing you confess. It doesn't matter because the priest offers daily and forgiveness can never be given. Why? Because a priest and a pastor is not a mediator. Isn't that crazy? There's, there's no man, no woman who through their opinion and their appearance can offer checklist options so that you can experience real life in Christ. This adventure not just one day living, hoping that heaven will be here, or hoping that you'll be okay, or hoping that there's an afterlife, or whatever. Jesus says, I have come that you might have eternal life. Not one day you may obtain it, but life in Christ is, is accepting and receiving the hand of the high priest of the good things that have come. And journeying with him towards the great day that will be. Chapter 10, verse 22, says it like this. It says, let us draw near. In light of all of this, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. This is life-changing. Don't get me wrong. An adventure with God still means there are things to do. It still means that there's, there's, there's experience to make and there's preparations to have. But you, you're doing them affirming that you're on the adventure already, not to get a ticket on it. Listen, even in the pain, even in the struggles of this life, if you're on the adventure with Christ... They're like a cloud in the sky on vacation. I mean, let me just ask you, a rainy day in Hawaii or a busy day in the office? All day long. Because one day that rain's going to stop. Do you want to keep living this unassured life, hoping, maybe, in vain, you can check enough boxes to present your case before God and he will have mercy based on your actions let me tell you please don't live in that type of relationship with God it does not work and it will disappoint but instead you're invited today to this life-changing relationship in Christ Jesus who because he is the mediator because he's the umpire and he's calling the shot because by the spirit of God he gave his own life so that once and for all the satisfaction that sin had broken between man and God could be satisfied for all who would just join him on the adventure this morning that's your life you may have been coming to church your whole life and never known that the adventure should have already started it's not just a one day thing and today in the hearing of the word let me tell you right here and right now drop your checklist let the burden fall Take the hand of Christ Jesus who died once and for all and you follow him as Lord and Savior. And I promise you, not based on my word, but based on his, the mediator of the good things that have come will lead you towards life.
not find assurance in a checklist. We do not obtain a ticket to eternity based on our credentials. Praise God, Lord, because there's no one that's a greater sinner than me. Yet, Jesus, because you willingly gave your life as the high priest of things that have come, you have become the mediator, the umpire, allowing this ball to be called a strike. To allow this wild pitch to join next to the hip of the greatest one of all time. Father God, I pray this morning that you would invite those in this room who have not started this journey 